Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Repeat after me. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. It's a Jamie from Progressive. Shh, Jamie. No, it's all right. I can talk. Progressive protects you 24-7, which means you can contact us anytime. Hmm. I'm getting a loud shh sound, so I'm going to talk louder. What can I help you with today? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Progressive can do that. Ugh, there's that noise again. Hold on. Let me put you on speaker. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show right here inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. As always, I'm Fansided National NFL Insider Matt Lombardo. Great to have you at the end of an NFL week that at least is the most bizarre one that we've experienced during the 2021 season where the stars weren't necessarily the games of a week ago and the games upcoming, but COVID-19 and Coach Urban Meyer being fired by the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're going to get into all of that and a whole lot more on a really big show. We're going to look ahead to the NFL postseason, some of the contenders and what might keep them from the NFL postseason, and a whole lot more. But as always, just a little bit of housekeeping to get things started here. If you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, YouTube, all of your favorite podcast platforms to fan-sided Stacking the Box NFL Podcast. You get two great NFL podcasts for the price of none, Matt Verderam and Mark Carmen every Tuesday, and of course the Matt Lombardo Show hits your phone, your iPad, your tablet, your laptop, wherever you're listening every Friday afternoon. And if you enjoy the Matt Lombardo Show, if you're a fan of my work, if you like the guests that we get on every week, if you love the analysis, please go ahead and leave a five-star review for Stacking the Box, but mention the Matt Lombardo Show. Mention what you like, what you don't like, your favorite guests so far, a guest you'd love to hear from, and I'll go try to get them. But those five-star reviews, they really help grow the show and grow the podcast. And let's start right out of the shoot with the NFL, kind of bucking its own trend and breaking its own precedent of the 2021 season and rescheduling three games this weekend due to COVID-19 and outbreaks that are taking place on several teams and ripping through several facilities across the league just as the Omicron variant, which by the way is spreading seven times faster than the Delta variant of COVID-19. If you're listening to this, please, if you haven't got your vaccine yet, go get the vaccine. If you haven't been boosted Get your booster. They're the best tools that we have to fight this outbreak and end this pandemic. And inside the NFL, we've had now a record-breaking number of players test positive for COVID-19 this week. The New York Giants, sources tell me their game is going to be played as scheduled against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday afternoon, despite the fact that the Giants have had eight positive cases this week and only have six healthy defensive backs on the roster and might struggle to field a 46-man roster on Sunday afternoon. But that game goes on as scheduled three games across the league 
have been postponed. Those, of course, involve the Cleveland Browns, who are in extreme protocols, the Los Angeles Rams, who are in extreme protocols, and the Washington football team against the Philadelphia Eagles with the football team navigating its own outbreak. And they might be forced to play you at starting quarterback after Taylor Heineke tested positive on Friday afternoon. The new schedule this weekend, it's Brown Raiders instead of being played on Saturday. That gets moved to Monday in the early window at 5 p.m. And a Tuesday doubleheader. You have the Seahawks and Rams at 7 and the football team at the Eagles at 7 o'clock. And obviously, there's a lot of anger inside the Philadelphia Eagles locker room, inside the Seattle Seahawks locker room, because those teams, to the best of their ability, have been able to mitigate the risk of COVID-19. They've been able to avoid any substantive major outbreak that would force the cancellation of a game. Meanwhile, the football team and the Rams, and of course, when you look at what's happening in Cleveland, they're all going through significant outbreaks. They all were moved to more stringent protocols this week, and now their opponents, the Eagles and the Seahawks and the Raiders, all have to pay the price with short weeks going into next weekend's games. But the NFL, I'm not sure what they're supposed to do here. Because outside of forfeiting those games, which is what they said they would do at the beginning of the year if the outbreak was caused by an unvaccinated player on one of the teams involved in a game... I'm not sure what you do. Do you force a team to play shorthanded and it be a terrible product with backups and third stringers and practice squad level quarterback play? Is that the answer? But I think the NFL has opened up a bit of a Pandora's box here by postponing these three games. Because what happens if we'll go back to the example of the New York Giants, a team that's struggling to field 46 players on Sunday, there are going to be more players that test positive on Saturday and Sunday this week. And if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, there are going to be players that test positive on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday before the game. What happens if you have a player test positive and now all of a sudden you can't field a full depth chart at a position group? Do you cancel the game if you're the NFL? What happens if Sunday morning five or six players from both teams test positive because that's the road that we're heading down with this variant spreading as easily and rapidly as it is where you're going to have more positive tests that take place on game day and if you've already opened the window a crack to move some of these games and postpone them you've kind of set yourself up to needing to cancel games at the last minute and on the other hand what the NFL is doing with their protocols this week, I, I actually kind of agree with. Going back to masks and facilities, moving to virtual meetings, eliminating in-person dining where it's just grab-and-go service and team cafeterias, doing basically what the NFL did a year ago to mitigate COVID-19 and try to stop the spread. I like all of those things. I also really like the fact that one of the things the NFL is now going to do beginning Friday is in addition to testing players for COVID-19, they're going to test the amount of viral load in a player's nose to determine whether or not they're contagious or not, whether or not they can spread the virus to their teammates or their opponents or not. And I think that's smart. That's how you can get players who are vaccinated and asymptomatic back on the field and kind of preserve your season because as a society with this now doubling the the, the caseload of the variant doubling every seven days or so or quicker 
this is going to be a situation where hospitals are going to be overrun again, and I don't know how far we are away from all sports. You're seeing what's happening in college basketball with games being canceled in spades. You're seeing the NHL cancel games. You're seeing the NBA having to cancel games. I know the NFL is played outside, and it's a lot more difficult for the virus to be transmitted outdoors versus indoors, but I don't know how far we are away from all sports taking a two-week or so pause because some projections by some epidemiologists have this current surge peaking around the second week of January. So if you postpone games for the next two weeks and you pick it back up, sure, you're going to push the Super Bowl back two weeks or at least one week by eliminating the bye. But I think you could really preserve the season. But it's going to be fascinating to see what unfolds this Sunday. But the other storyline this week, the other major story other than the comeback of COVID-19 is the departure of Urban Meyer, the firing of Urban Meyer by Jaguars owner Shad Khan. And by the way, this was long overdue. If you're Shad Khan, you had just cause to fire Urban Meyer after he stayed behind the team flight, skipped the team flight home to stay in Columbus. The date after, the weekend after the Jaguars lost on the road to the Cincinnati Bengals. We've talked about it before, what a big deal that was. The fact that coaches typically break down the game tape and get the early prep work on reviewing that game and getting ready for meetings in the coming days done on the team flight home, and Meyer wasn't a part of that. You can talk about the fact that Josh Lambeau says that he was kicked during practice and Urban Meyer basically saying, hey, dumbass, make your kicks. All of those things are just cause to fire Urban Meyer. But I don't know that Urban Meyer is fired if it's not for what Trevor Lawrence said this week. It's obviously been a very drama-filled season in Jacksonville with everything surrounding Urban Meyer. And Trevor Lawrence was asked about all the drama this week, asked about everything going on with Urban Meyer. And he said, quote, Obviously, things went pretty smooth for me at Clemson, so obviously this is the most drama. But hey, I've gotten better in a lot of ways from this as a leader, as a person. I've grown a lot, unquote. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence basically coming out and saying the drama has to stop. Look, Trevor Lawrence is the most important player in the history of the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise, not to mention the most vital player when it comes to the Jaguars' future and their trajectory. If he doesn't come out and make those comments, I don't know that Urban Meyer is fired this week. I, I don't know that Shad Khan just doesn't wait until the end of the season or into the early stages of the offseason to fire Urban Meyer. Because even though when you look at Meyer's tenure, and I've tweeted this a couple different times a couple of different ways, if Urban Meyer was actively trying to get fired this season in his first as an NFL head coach, what exactly would he have done differently? Because everything he did screams a guy who has no interest in this job and was going for a one-and-done paycheck. Whether it's hiring the strength coach who had made racist comments in the past, whether it's skipping the team flight back from Cincinnati, whether it's everything that went on with running back James Robinson and the fact that he was basically benched and then, you know, put it on the running backs coach to take the blame for that benching. The comments that came out this week in the reporting that he basically said that his assistant coaches are a bunch of losers kicking Josh Lambeau, all of it on and on and on and on. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence doesn't come out and criticize it publicly. I don't know if Shad Khan doesn't fire Urban Meyer in January rather than now with four games left to play. But the next question for Jacksonville becomes, where do you go from here? Because there are a lot of great defensive coaches in the NFL. There are a lot of defensive coordinators who probably deserve 
to be the next head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But if I'm Shad Khan, if I'm in that situation, there are two names that I'm zeroing in on to hire as the next head coach of the Jaguars because of just how vitally important Trevor Lawrence is to the future of the franchise. It's all about him developing. And you saw Trevor Lawrence regress. But there are two names. It's Byron Lefwich, the offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it's Doug Peterson, a guy that I've covered in Philadelphia for three of his years in Philadelphia as the head coach of the Eagles. And I can tell you this, from talking to people around the league and familiar with the Tampa Bay situation, Byron Lefwich is essentially the heir apparent to Bruce Arians whenever Arians decides to hang it up. So I don't know how realistic, other than the fact that Byron Lefwich played in Jacksonville, and maybe that makes it a more alluring job for him, I don't know how realistic hiring Lefwich is for the Jaguars. But when it comes to Doug Peterson... I don't know that there's a head coach that has a better temperament for the Jaguars locker room with a young team, a young roster. He has a young quarterback with a history of molding young quarterbacks all the way back from his time as a backup to Donovan McNabb, an assistant coach on Andy Reid's staff working with Brett Favre. And then, of course, the first two years of Carson Wentz's career, where in 2017, Wentz was an MVP caliber quarterback. Doug Peterson would have a better quarterback, a far better quarterback with a far higher ceiling than Carson Wentz in Trevor Lawrence. He has the perfect temperament for the Jacksonville media market. He's laid back, but he also can be stern and very strong in his convictions, which I think is something you need in that market. And you think about the situation in Philadelphia, there are a lot of parallels here. Doug Peterson was hired after Chip Kelly was fired, and I was the first to report back in 2016 that Chip Kelly had lost that locker room in a lot of ways because of his drill sergeant mentality, because of his college coaching tactics not translating to an NFL locker room and resonating with NFL players. There wasn't necessarily the same drama, but that locker room was in a, a far worse place in 2016 than it is today. And Doug Peterson came in and won a Super Bowl there two years later with a quarterback situation with Carson Wentz getting injured and backup Nick Foles needing to finish the job. Doug Peterson would be a great candidate in Jacksonville, and I think that there are a lot of reasons why he would make a lot of sense for Shad Khan and for that roster, and I would think that Peterson would jump at the opportunity to get back into the head coaching ring, throw his hat back into the ring as an NFL head coach. So that's going to be a really fascinating situation to watch unfold. And in the AFC, I think we got a lot of clarity on Thursday night in what might have been the game of the year. We're going to talk about that on the other side, right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, inside fan-sided Stacking the Box podcast feed. I want to tell you about a great new podcast from our friends over at the Players' Tribune. The Knuckleheads podcast brings on some of the best NBA players, past and present, to have totally unguarded conversations about sports, culture, and basketball nostalgia. Hosted by former NBA players Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles, it's their seventh season hosting the podcast, and guests this season have included Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Sue Bird, and DeMar DeRozan. NBA veterans Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles are lifelong friends and bona fide truth-tellers. Listen as they invite special guests, high-profile athletes, musicians, and entertainers to get brutally honest about everything from current events to untold stories from the golden era of sports and culture. Named for the on-court celebration they made wildly popular, this unfiltered, hilarious, and surprising podcast is like playing NBA 2K with no fouls. So be sure to check out the Knuckleheads podcast. You're the one who protects the flock, and that requires an eye for detail. 
Because when safety and well-being are on the line, it's the details that can save lives. Even when no one else is watching, you see everything. Granger gets you, and we're here for you, and all the ones who get it done with a wide range of safety products and solutions, plus board-certified safety consultants here to answer your questions. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back in. And I know that I've talked a lot over the last couple of weeks about the New England Patriots being the team to beat in the AFC, that the Patriots are the most complete team in the AFC and maybe the team to beat to go to the Super Bowl. I got to admit something here. I I think I might have been wrong. And I think I might have been wrong based on what we saw on Thursday night in the Chiefs versus Chargers game where Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City survived 34 to 28 in overtime on the road. And I just got to get this off my chest. I really hope that's the AFC championship game because I think that both those teams, the Chiefs and the Chargers, have all of the makings of a Super Bowl caliber team. They both have the elite top tier quarterback. They both have an explosive offense with playmakers at every level. They both have really dominant offensive lines, even though without Rashawn Slater, the Chargers offensive line still looked even more impressive than anything Kansas City fielded. And they both have defenses that have the ability to clamp down. I mean, you look at last night, the Chiefs defense, led by Steve Spagnuolo, without Chris Jones, without a slew of players in the secondary, entered that game last night allowing just 13 points per game. They allowed 28 to Justin Herbert, but they got the job done in critical fourth down opportunities. And if you look at the Chargers, if you look at Herbert, if you're a Los Angeles Chargers fan, you have to be over the moon with what you have. Because based on what we've seen both back in week five in Arrowhead and last night, I really believe this is the next great quarterback rivalry in the NFL. This is Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. And the best part is we get this game twice a year every year for the next decade to 15 years. And look, there's a lot of talk on Twitter on Friday about Patrick Mahomes being the reason that the Kansas City Chiefs won this game. And look, give him a lot of credit. Give Mahomes credit for what he did over the last five minutes of that game and in overtime. But the fact of the matter is even finishing 31 for 4 47 for 410 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Mahomes was off for a lot of that game. He should have had two pick sixes. He had the one interception, but he was flirting with disaster all night, putting the ball in harm's way. And I give Travis Kelsey the game ball for the Kansas City Chiefs, not necessarily Patrick Mahomes in that game. It wasn't Mahomes turning it on or finding that next level. It was a career game by a future Hall of Famer in Travis Kelsey who won that game for the Chiefs, finishing with a career-high 191 yards and a pair of touchdowns. And the biggest play of all, his touchdown catch and run on the final play of the game in overtime to score that game-winning touchdown. Listen, this is a game, in my opinion, that cements the Kansas City Chiefs as the team to beat because they showed me that even when Patrick Mahomes doesn't have a great night, yes, again, I know he threw for 400 yards, but I don't think that he was as accurate as we've seen Patrick Mahomes be or as careful with the football as we've seen Patrick Mahomes be throughout the course of his career. Even when Mahomes isn't playing at 110% effectiveness, you still have Tyreek You still have Travis Kelsey. You still have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And you have a defense, even without some of its centerpiece players, that 
was downright dominant. And I think that the Chargers have to be thrilled about where they're at with the offense that they've built. With some of the throws that Herbert made the other night, you know, the high point throw to Mike Williams along the sideline, some of the catches that Keenan Allen made, the throw that Herbert made on the touchdown to Keenan Allen in a really tight window, you have to feel really good about Justin Herbert and his future and his trajectory with the Chargers franchise. He now has more passing yards through his first two seasons than any quarterback in the league, breaking Andrew Luck's record, and the Chargers still have three more games. You look at the fact that he has Dan Marino's touchdown record through the first two seasons was well in his sights with three games to play. You have to feel really good about Justin Herbert. And if you want to read more about Herbert, I spoke to NFL executives and Hall of Famer Dan Fouts in my column on Wednesday. Go check it out on fansided.com. But I think the AFC, we've talked about it all year. I, I think it's much more of a gauntlet than the NFC is. I think the teams are far more complete on this side of the ball. But what sets the Chargers and the Chiefs apart, in my opinion, especially Kansas City with the way they play defense, is they can beat you in a multitude of ways. They have the elite quarterback play, they have a stifling defense, and they can beat you not only on the ground with Austin Eckler, as the Chargers very nearly did, but they can beat you with explosive plays. And I spoke to an NFL executive this week who said that what scares him most in the NFL playoffs and what keeps him up at night when his team is facing a playoff game the night before, it's not that you're going to get grounded and pounded into submission. It's not that a defense is going to shut you down. It's that in a one-and-done playoff format, an offense can make an explosive play or two, and you're done. You're out. That's that's it. It doesn't matter that you were 13-3. and three. It doesn't matter the at-home field advantage. If you give up two big passing touchdown plays for 50 yards and your offense doesn't get it done that day, you're out. And the Chargers and the Chiefs both have the ability to beat you that way. And they're two quarterbacks. They're the guys that we're going to be watching over the next decade. It's not necessarily going to be Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes. It's not necessarily going to be Joe Burrow against Patrick Mahomes or anything like that. This is the quarterback rivalry. And I think that we're going to potentially see even the AFC playoffs go through Kansas City, especially after what they did on Thursday night. But more than that, I give Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Chiefs a real chance to host the AFC Championship game because of the schedule they have in front of them, because of the defense that they're playing right now, because of the level that Mahomes is playing at right now. On paper, though, it's no easy road because after Thursday night, Kansas City has the ninth hardest schedule remaining the rest of this year. But here's who they play. They have the Denver Broncos. They have the Cincinnati Bengals, and they have the Pittsburgh Steelers to close it out. And the way that the Chiefs are playing defense right now, especially when they get Chris Jones back, I don't do any of those teams put up more than 24 points against Kansas City. I mean, maybe if Burrow and Jamar Chase have that connection going in that game, maybe that becomes a bit of a shootout. But I don't know if the Steelers are going to have all that much to play for, if they're going to mount that much of a charge. And if you look at some of the other teams in the mix for home field advantage, the Baltimore Ravens, we're going to get to them on the other side of this break. But the Ravens, there's a lot of uncertainty there because of Lamar Jackson's injury. They have a much tougher schedule than the Chiefs. They have the Packers. They have the Rams. They have the Bengals. They have the Steelers. They have the third most difficult finishing schedule in the league, followed by the Bengals' schedule. And I just think that the Chiefs have that perfect blend of defense, high-powered offense, and remaining schedule where they can not necessarily even have to run the table to get the number one seed. But if they do... 
look out because there are a few tougher places to play than Arrowhead. And I think that what we've learned this season about the Kansas City Chiefs and about the way they view an NFL season is it doesn't matter what happens in September, October, just get and stay healthy. Stay and get healthy is all that matters to them by Thanksgiving. And then when the calendar turns to December, that's when they get off and running, and they're certainly doing that right now. On the other side, I want to break down the fatal flaw of all of the teams that are in the mix for the AFC and the NFC playoffs and what would keep them out of the postseason if it began today. Keep it locked right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansided Stack in the Box podcast feed. Jamie's Log. Progressive. The Harrington's Backyard, day 11, 4.43 a.m. The tent I set up in the Harrington's Backyard to prove Progressive has 24-7 protection has a rip in it. But a little rain won't stop me. Mrs. Harrington says she totally understands 24-7 protection means 24-7. Gonna stay a few more days to make sure. It's hailing now. That's fun. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection. Just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome back in, and we're officially in the stretch run towards the NFL playoffs, and with that in mind, I kind of wanted to take a little bit of a deeper dive into the teams that are in the hunt, in the mix for a playoff spot over the final month of the season, and point out the fatal flaw of each. The reason that each of these teams might not make the playoffs or have the chance to be one and done once they get there. Now, I only included one team who's currently leading their division, only included one team that's near the top of the bracket, and the rest are the teams that are in dogfights, for lack of a better term, for division championship or a wild card spot. But that one team is the New England Patriots, a team that I've been pretty high on for much of this season, and who I think has the defense and the running game, and of course, the head coach and a lot of the pieces of the formula to make a run but if there's one person one element of this team that might keep the Patriots from winning a Super Bowl I think it's Mac Jones and I'm not one of these guys who thinks that Bill Belichick took the air out of the balloon as some sort of indictment of Mac Jones's inability to win against the Buffalo Bills on the Monday night game a couple weeks ago but talking to people around the league you know there's a real concern that Mac Jones can't carry the Patriots in their current incarnation and at this stage of his development to a Super Bowl because, yes, they can stop the run, but what happens when the Patriots play a team that can stop the run? When they play a team like Kansas City or Baltimore and they basically stack the box and put eight or nine guys in the box and dare Bill Belichick to beat them with Mac Jones, can New England do it? Can they win? And I had a personnel executive this week tell me point blank, he doesn't believe that there's anyone in the NFL that's on the Patriots schedule who wastes very much time game planning against Mac Jones. And the fear for New England is what happens when you play a Kansas City or a Los Angeles or a team that's plenty capable of making explosive plays. If you face an offense like that and you can't keep up and you can't stop the run, guess what? It might be lights out. Now let's move to Baltimore because I watched the Ravens and I've watched a lot of their games this year. They're way too Lamar Jackson-centric. They, they rely way too much on Lamar Jackson to be the be-all, end-all of that offense, even when he's healthy. That supporting cast of Hollywood Brown, Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, they're just not good enough. And if you read my column last week on fansided.com, I spoke to multiple scouts, several former quarterbacks, and they told me point blank, 
The Ravens just don't do nearly enough to help Lamar Jackson against zero blitzes, a look that they're seeing a lot more from opposing defenses because they know that the Ravens coaching staff don't have the answers for Lamar pre-snap to audible into different looks that can beat that scheme to beat that kind of pressure. And if you're too Lamar Jackson-centric before, he deals with an ankle injury. What are you as an offense when he comes back if he's not back 100% healthy? And we know that ankle injuries tend to linger and have lasting impacts on a player. So if you're concerned about the Ravens winning a big game and winning a playoff game with a healthy Lamar Jackson, boy, what happens if you have an injured, banged up Lamar Jackson? If you're not helping Lamar as the Ravens coaching staff hasn't to the degree they need to, I don't know how you win. The Colts, another team, high-powered offense, top three offensive line in the league, maybe the MVP in Jonathan Taylor. Their fatal flaw? It might be Carson Wentz. Now, I think Carson Wentz is playing some of the best football of his career, but doing so in weeks 1 through 14 is a lot different than doing it in weeks 15 through 17 through 18 and the postseason. He's never done it before. I mean, listen, in 2017, yes, Carson Wentz played at an MVP caliber level for Frank Reich, but... He was knocked out. He suffered a torn ACL in week 14, and it was Nick Foles who had to finish the job. We've never seen Carson Wentz have to lift a team through a playoff run. Now, obviously, he has Michael Pittman Jr. He has Jonathan Taylor. He has the aforementioned offensive line. The pieces are there. But if I'm pointing to a reason why the Colts might not win the AFC South or might be one and done if they get in, it's Carson Wentz just because of the unknown. Cleveland, it's all about COVID. We don't know what Baker Mayfield is, but we don't know if COVID-19 is going to just decimate that locker room over the next couple of weeks. You look at what happened. They're already in extreme protocols this week. They've already had their game moved to Monday night. If the Browns don't get their outbreak under control, if they're playing a skeleton crew against the Raiders this week, and if they have players that miss time next week, they don't have the margin for error in a playoff race with their schedule remaining to survive it and make the postseason. That would be my concern in Cleveland is can you outlast COVID-19 and their division rival, the Cincinnati Bengals? Their defense really worries me. Look, I'm high on Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is a top 10 quarterback in this league, maybe better than that. I love Jamar Chase. I love T. Higgins. I love the offense they've built around Joe Burrow. But that defense would drive me mad. Why? I watched most of that game, that Chargers-Bengals game a couple weeks ago, and they let Justin Herbert and the Chargers off the hook in the second half. They're ranked 17th in the NFL. They finish against the Broncos, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Browns, all very much in the postseason hunt. Can the defense get it done? I'm not so sure. Let's go to the NFC side of the equation. And in Philadelphia, they're rightfully, given their schedule and what they have in front of them and what they've done so far with Nick Sirianni and the turnaround they've had over the second half, Eagles fans are rightfully thinking about a wild card berth in the NFC playoffs. But they can run the ball better than anybody. They have Miles Sanders. They have the backs. They have the offensive line. They have run it better than almost anybody in the league. And they try to do that every week. But whether it's Jalen Hurts or relying on Gardner Minshew if Hurts is banged up, their quarterback play is just way too inconsistent. And if you're going to win in December and January, and if you're going to make a playoff charge, you need elite quarterback play. That, that's the common denominator of teams that go to Super Bowls. That's the common denominator of teams that go to the postseason and win playoff games, dominant quarterback play. 
And the Eagles don't have that right now. If you can't create explosive plays on offense and if you're inconsistent at quarterback, it's hard to win in this league. And regardless of what happens against Washington and the Giants and Dallas down the stretch, I don't know that Philadelphia gets in because of the uncertainty at quarterback and the inconsistent quarterback play. Washington. They've shown they can win with defense against the Cowboys. They showed that they can play well enough on defense for stretches of games to keep them in games late. But much like in Philadelphia, I'm not so sure that not having a quarterback is going to get it done for the football team. And I think not having a quarterback, whether it's not Taylor Heineke because of injury, whether it's Kyle Allen, whether it's COVID, whatever the case may be, they don't have a franchise quarterback. That's going to be the football team's undoing, in my opinion. Atlanta. The Falcons very much in the wild card hunt, and they, you know, played Tampa pretty tough the other week. They weren't able to get it done, but they played them tough. They're ranked 27th in the NFL. They're allowing 27 points per game. Sorry, you're not beating playoff caliber competition, allowing almost four touchdowns per game. I don't care how well Matt Ryan is playing. I don't care what Kyle Pitts is doing on offense. If you're allowing 27 points per game at this juncture of the NFL season, you're not getting in. And another team, the Minnesota Vikings. Have you watched them? Have you watched Minnesota? I know we talked a lot last week about Mike Zimmer and his uncertain future and what the franchise should be doing beyond this season when it comes to Mike Zimmer's future. But the Vikings have coughed up double-digit leads to the then-winless Lions, and they survived blowing a double-digit lead to the Pittsburgh Steelers basically because Chase Claypool was too concerned about celebrating rather than giving Ben Roethlisberger an extra chance at an extra play in overtime to go ahead and win the game. There's just no killer instinct in Minnesota. That that team does not have championship character. They don't have a quarterback who can win in the clutch. They don't have a defense that's capable of clamping down. They survived against Pittsburgh because of a boneheaded play on the other side. But those are two games in a row where they've coughed up double-digit leads, and you can't be doing that this time of year and expect to win in the run to the postseason and in the playoffs. So those are my biggest concerns about the teams that are in the mix and in the hunt and why I think that these teams are going to struggle even if they make the playoffs to make any sort of run at a Super Bowl. This has been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed this show. It's been a chaotic week across the NFL, a hectic week, a lot of news. Right at the most important and and biggest juncture of this schedule, a lot going on, and there's certainly going to be a lot going on in the coming weeks. Thank you to Fanside. It's Cole Thompson for everything he does each and every week to get this podcast up and running. Again, if you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, all of your favorite podcast platforms to Stacking the Box Fansided's NFL Podcast. And if you really enjoy my work, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. But please, in the Apple Podcast Store, leave a five-star review. Mention the Matt Lombardo Show, what you like about it, what you don't. It really helps grow the show. I'm Matt Lombardo. I'll talk to you next week. Enjoy Week 15. It goes from Sunday to Tuesday, everybody. Some great games ahead. Enjoy it. I'll talk to you next week. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.